$100 a year from now. $50 right now or $100 a year from now. Now, I saw that question this week, and attached to that question was a little bit of research. And the research said that most of us will choose the 50 bucks. That we will not wait on the $100. Why? Well, undoubtedly, we feel like that having 50 now is better than having 100 later. I mean, after all, why would you wait on those Brussels sprouts to steam when you can have a Reese's peanut butter cup right now? Not sorry at all. Not in any way, shape, or form. The power of now is very strong these days. For, for me in my lifetime, I've never seen now be more powerful than it is right now. This, this idea of instant gratification, immediate gratification, wanting things right now, it's huge. And it is no respecter of ages. Over the last seven days, I have seen or heard a three-year-old a 33-year-old, a 48-year-old, a 63-year-old, and an 80-year-old pitch a temper tantrum. Yeah. Seen or heard, you know, with my own eyes or my own ears. There's no respecter of age. Now is huge in our culture. This desire to have now, we are all guilty of it. We'd love to say we're not. We're all guilty. We are tempted to say, well, those people are so impatient. Let me break your spirit. You're impatient. (laughs) I'm impatient. It's all of us. We we are all in this boat together, this sense of now. And is now really helping? I mean, is now really helping? I mean, are our attitudes getting better? Are they getting worse? Is, Is the desire to get what we want right now changing things? is now helping, does now make us happier? Yes. (laughs) In the moment, now makes us happier. It really does. But for every toddler and every teenager and every millennial and every middle-ager and every newly retired and every nursing home resident, we're all kind of on the verge. We're right there on the verge. We're on the verge because with every missed extra cookie at snack time with every new article that we read on our favorite political website with every new post on social media with every extra 30 seconds that we have to stand in line at the burger joint we are all on the verge of our next mental or physical temper tantrum we're just there we're we're all on the edge and there has to be a better way to live right I mean, there has to be a better way to function. There has to be a better way to take care of your soul than being on that verge all the time. Well, there is a better way. There is a better way. It's not an easier way. In fact, many people say it is the hardest thing to do in the universe. But it is a better way. It's a way that takes care of your soul. Now, at first, it will feel like you're waiting a year for $100. Or it may feel like you're waiting at all for Brussels sprouts. But this better way, it brings freedom to your soul that can't be explained. And it can't be 
duplicated by anyone or anything else ever. So, what's this better way? Well, let's find out. Luke chapter 5, verse 16. Dr. Luke writes, But Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. The better way to live is to pray. The better way to take care of your soul is to pray. Jesus often slipped away to pray. Now, in this moment, it's kind of interesting because of what's happening. Listen to what Luke writes just in the previous sentence. Luke 5.15. The news about Jesus was spreading even farther, and large crowds were gathering to hear him. Jesus was trending, like in a big way. He, He was getting hugely popular. Crowds of people were coming to see him. His fame was growing. He was becoming very well known. Many years ago, a comedian said that celebrities are people that work really hard to become famous and well-known, and then they start wearing sunglasses so you can't recognize them. Jesus was not wearing sunglasses. Jesus was not jumping on social media to try to capitalize on his popularity. No, when there was a huge, gigantic spike in his popularity, what did Jesus do? He slipped away to pray. Jesus went away to pray. But why? Why would Jesus do that? Jesus is the Son of God. I'm pretty sure he's covered, right? I mean, I don't know that he really needs to pray. But undoubtedly, that's not true because it was a pattern of the life of Jesus over and over again. In the highs and the lows, he would spend time alone with his Father. He would go pursue his Father. Someone said, if you look through the scripture at the the prayer life of Jesus, you will see some characteristics, some some needs, so to speak, that were met in Jesus' prayer life. Here are those needs. A fresh touch of assurance, mental poise, assessment, evaluation, new strength, illumination, and guidance. Do those sound like things that, that you might need? I mean, in the middle of these uncertain days, could you use some of those things? Could you use a fresh touch of assurance? Could you use some mental poise? Could you use some assessment, some evaluation of things happening around you? Could you use some strength, some illumination, some guidance? I mean, I'm desperate for those things. I could use them big time. In these days when the rug of all that is normal and comfortable keeps getting pulled out from under us, could you use a fresh touch of assurance? Could you need that hug from somebody and just hear them say, hey, everything's going to be okay? Do you need to, to know that all is well? Friend, if you have been rescued and redeemed by Jesus Christ, all is well. If you have been rescued and redeemed by Jesus Christ, all is well. All is well. The song has not lost any of its punch. Whatever my lot, whatever, whatever happens to me, Whatever I read in the news, whatever happens three months from now or three hours from now or three minutes from now, whatever my lot, God, thou hast taught me to say, 
It is well. It is well with my soul. Can I just confess, none of us seem to feel that way. Is it okay? It's okay, right? It's okay. I talk to you, you talk. We don't feel that way. And let me hurt our feelings. We seem determined to not feel that way. We seem to be set on not singing that song outside of this room. On not singing that song in traffic and not singing that song at work and not singing that song at home or anywhere else we are. But dear friend, let me tell you, God loves you. God loves you. He sent his son for you. Jesus died for you. If you've been rescued and redeemed, all is well, all is well, all is well, and nothing can change that. Nothing can change that. I I feel like I want to say that 73 more times. Nothing can change that. All is well if you are in Christ. Doesn't mean all is happy. Doesn't mean all is fun doesn't mean all is how we like it but all is well all is well see jesus he slipped away to pray because the assurance of that came from his father do you need some assurance like that i do i do assurance what about a little mental poise (laughs) you need some mental poise you need some some mental calm some mental grace some calm for your mind. In, in this world where we're bombarded with cancel culture or open culture nonstop, could you use a little calm for your mind? I heard an interview where a guy said, you know, things today are kind of like this. It's like someone walks into the town square and there's a sign that says guitar lessons and you look at the sign and say, I don't want guitar lessons. Don't hang this sign up in town. It's kind of what it's become. And we're quick to say, yeah, that's how those people are. No, that's how we are, y'all. That's how we are. In some way, shape, or form, we're all kind of losing our minds. So we need some mental poise. We need some assurance. Jesus slipped off in prayer to get some assurance, to get some mental poise. And part of that mental poise, part of that grace and calm for the mind is this sense of assessment the sense of evaluation do you need some evaluation in your life do you need to be able to assess some things in our culture if you wear a mask you're a socialist freak and if you don't wear a mask you're a gun crazed hellion i mean it's crazy you know it's just crazy don't don't we need some assessment don't we need some evaluation when we're in a conversation with another human being wouldn't we love to be able to actually use our brains instead of just using sound bites of religion or politics or social issues? Wouldn't it be great to speak as humans instead of speak as headlines? We could go on and on with those other three too, right? Strength, illumination, guidance. I need some strength. Illumination? Well, I need some light for darkness. Guidance? God, what's the next step? What do we do next? I could use all those things. I mean, don't those sound like great things? Wouldn't it be great if you could have those? Well, you can. They are ready. They are available for you right now. Where? In prayer. Jesus slipped away to pray. It was his habit. 
The better way to live is to pray. The better way to take care of your soul, and I would just say your mind, is to pray. Now, philosophers Doug and Wendy Weiner would probably say, but prayer is so hard. And they'd be right. It is hard. More than 50 years ago, D. Martin Lloyd-Jones said this, everything we do in the Christian life is easier than prayer. Everything. Thomas Shepard was minister in the 1600s. He said this, there are times in my life when I would rather die than pray. <laughs> Ever been there? Ever felt that way? John Bunyan wrote the great book, The Pilgrim's Progress. He was also a faithful and powerful preacher in his day. Listen to what he said. As for my heart, when I go to pray, I find it so reluctant to go to God. And when my heart is with him, so reluctant to stay with him. Many times I'm forced in my prayers first to beg God that he would take my heart and set it on himself in Christ. And when it's there, then I have to beg him to keep it there. Ever been there? I have. Listen, my mind is a combination of a golden retriever, a Jack Russell Terrier, a triple shot of espresso, and six cans of Red Bull. Man, my mind never stops. It's always going, always rolling. There's, there's 1,650 things that I'm going through in my mind almost all the time. It is hard for me to stop and pray. Prayer is not easy, but Jesus slipped away often to pray. It was the pattern. So why don't we slip away? Why do we not do this? Why are we not prone to slip away? What are our excuses for not slipping away? I came across a list of pretty common excuses. I hear myself in all of these things. See if you can find you in here. I'm way too busy to pray. I'm just too spiritually dry to pray. I'm too bitter to pray. I'm too ashamed to pray. I'm just not convinced I really need to pray. And listen to this one. I'm content with mediocrity. I'm content with being average and hum drawn. Now that last one might be the most dangerous thing for your life, for our church, and for our country. That might be the most dangerous excuse for not praying is I'm okay with mediocrity. I came across this description of what it means to be normal and average and humdrum and mediocre. It says, normal is being of the sort or kind that is expected as usual, ordinary, or average. That's how Webster described it. Normal, ordinary, average, and mediocre. Now, that's what I see throughout the Bible, right? God calling us to be normal, average, ordinary, and mediocre. No, in fact, it's, it's the opposite. Now, clearly, right now in life, there are some things we need to get back to normal and some things we want to get back to normal. But let me encourage you, if the driving force in your mind or your conversations right now is about getting things back to normal, you're hanging out in the dangerous spiritual forest of mediocrity. Now, why do I say that? This is what Paul said to the church. Philippians 3.13. One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. And then he continues. I press on toward the goal for the prize 
of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The gospel never tells us to reach back. The gospel says reach forward. The gospel never says let's get things back to normal. The gospel says move forward. Jesus, as his pattern, was always moving forward. The gospel calls us to move forward and become who God's calling us to be. Not who we were, but who he's calling us to be. Abraham Lincoln was often criticized by his foes and enemies for moving too slow with his decisions. Come on. Come on, Abe. Come on. Let's make a decision. Let's move on. Now, I can't verify that Lincoln said this, but reportedly, one time he responded like this. I walk slowly, but I never walk backwards. Jesus never walked backwards. Jesus always walked forward to the cross for me and for you. Jesus did not set a pattern of being normal, average, humdrum, or mediocre. And he did not call us to set that pattern as well. So the call of our life is to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, and keep following him forward. Keep following him for God's glory and for our good. And how do you move forward? Well, one way you move forward is by following Jesus, and Jesus every now and then slipped away to pray. That's how you move forward. You move forward with prayer. When his popularity in this moment, when his popularity was spiking, when everybody was all about Jesus in his trending moment, the first thing the disciples saw Jesus do was slip away and pray. It is absolutely impossible for us to ignore the importance that Jesus put on prayer. The Bible says that he created the world and everything that's in it. So technically, that means Jesus can do whatever he wants to do, but he didn't do whatever he wanted to do. He kept turning to his Father in prayer. He kept going to God so that God, his Father, and kindness would give him a fresh touch of assurance, would give him some mental poise, some assessment, some strength, some illumination, some guidance over and over and over again. Now, most of us are doers, okay? We, we do things. We are people of, of action. We want to do something, and we lean toward doing something more than we do toward praying. Why? Well, for many Christians, prayer is not action. Prayer is not activity. Prayer is not a legitimate activity, at least. It's, it's more like inactivity. It's, it's something that, that people who don't have anything to do do. But Jesus seems to give us the opposite. See, we're tempted to say, well, we don't have time to pray. Let's go do something. Let's go build something. Let's go fix something. Let's go do. We don't have time to pray. Why are we going to sit around and seek the Lord when we can be doing something for the kingdom of God? Come on. But Jesus seems to give us a completely different pattern. Now, there are times to pray and there are times to do, and we need to find the right balance on those. But there is absolutely no substitute in the Christian life for prayer. None. 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 I mean, you can substitute recipes, you know, substitute, I don't know, sausage for bacon. I wouldn't, but I mean, you know, you might do that, you know. 
I mean, you, we can substitute things. You can't substitute anything for prayer. You just can't. Jesus set the pattern for that. On another day, Jesus was talking to his disciples, and he said this, when you pray. <laughs> Not if, but when you pray. Jesus expected us to pray because he commanded us to pray. It's, it's a pattern. Jesus spent time in prayer with God, and he expects us to do the same thing. He commanded us to pray. So, quick recap. Jesus prayed. He prayed often. Prayer is super hard. Prayer has amazing benefits. Jesus has commanded us to pray. And prayer is the better way to take care of your soul. It's the better way. So, if you are praying, thanks. Keep up the great work. Keep keep taking care of your soul. And keep interceding for your family and your friends and for the church and the community and your politicians and the world. Intercede. Keep, keep up the great work of praying for others, praying for God's grace and mercy to come, praying that, that God would do a good work in so many lives. And if you're not praying, then start praying. Like, like really, just, just start praying. I mean, we're talking about praying to the one true God of the universe. That means that there's about 1,650,000 other things that need to be said. But this is one sermon, and we got Mother's Day lunch, all right? So, so we're not. So, so I just want to keep it super simple. If you're not praying, pray. Like, really, it's, it's, it's okay. If you're not praying, it's okay. Just get over the guilt trip or get over the stubbornness and just pray. Just, just do it. Some of you might say, well, I don't know how, okay? Matthew chapter 6. You can look it up on your Bible app or look it up in the Bible. Jesus gives us a pattern, a model. You can use that as an outline for how to pray. Go read that and just kind of use it to kind of fuel and, and feed your prayer time. Or go online and, and read some articles about how to pray. There's plenty of them out there. Find you an acrostic to help you with prayer. Or, or get an old hymnal and, and read those hymns to kind of fuel and feed your prayer life. Or get a little book. It's called The Valley of Vision, an amazing book of prayers that will encourage your heart. And, and use those things as fuel. But whatever you have to do, turn the TV off, turn the radio off, turn, turn the computer off, plug your phone up on the other side of the room and put it on silent. Well, whatever you have to do, just to find some way just to pray. Just, just do it. Just, it's okay. Just, just pray. And why should you? And here's why you should pray. Because God cares for you. You should pray because God cares for you. He cares about your life. He cares about your family. He cares about everything happening in the universe right now. And how do we know that he cares? Paul said this to the Romans. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? God did not spare his son, but gave him up for you. God did that for you. The greatest need of your life, God has met through Jesus. That's why he cares for you. Have you received his care? Are those just 
words that I said out in the air? Or, or have you actually experienced the care of salvation? Have you received the salvation that God offers you right now through Jesus? If you haven't received that, then you are cut off from God's goodness right now. You're, you're not under his protection or his care. So why not change that? Why not just come to Jesus today? Why not pursue this life with this promise? All is well. Come to Jesus today. And when you come, pray. Pray. Listen, God God doesn't need our prayers. He doesn't need our information. He he doesn't need us getting in groups and and babbling on about every health need and, and everybody in our family. God doesn't need all that. You know what? He knows. He knows every single thing that's happening in the universe. He's not confused. You think God wakes up and looks at the news on the internet and goes, whoa, I didn't see that coming today. You think God's freaking out about the price of building supplies? He knows. See, what God is looking for in prayer is he is looking for devotion, adoration, and for someone to long to be with him. It's a longing for a relationship. Jesus often would slip away to be in relationship with his Father. It was a pattern of life. So how can you long to be in relationship with God? Pray. Really, it's, it's not this hard math. It's, it really is about prayer. So why should you pray? Sarah Walton is a wife and mom. I think she has five kids, if I remember right. She has experienced a great deal of suffering in her life in recent years. If I have all my math right, I think um, she had Lyme's disease, didn't know that she had Lyme disease, and inadvertently has passed it down to all five of her kids. And, and I think what I read a couple of years ago is that, you know, the doctors kind of keep telling them, well, none of it's real, it's not really there, this, that, and the other, when, when they're dealing with it, you know, on a daily basis. And that's just like one area of her life where she's suffering a lot. But she also used to be a prodigal. She was lost, she was confused, she was trying to find her identity. On the outside, she was kind of hard and and proud, but on the inside, she was hurting. All of her choices were destroying her life. She was cutting off everybody in her life that loved her. But her mom and her dad never stopped praying. I mean, like, fighting in prayer for her to turn to the Lord. And in God's time, he eventually answered those prayers. And so Sarah has this challenge for parents, moms and dads praying for their kids. This is what she said. Parents, if you're raising a seemingly hard-hearted, rebellious son or daughter, whether outwardly or inwardly, I challenge you to take up your arms in prayer. Fight the spiritual battle that rages over them with all of your God-given strength and refuse to give up on their life. Refuse. Why should you pray? Because we live in a world full of hard-hearted, rebellious people. And I 
am one of those hard-hearted, rebellious people. And you are one of those hard-hearted, rebellious people. So let us, for the glory of God, for the good of our souls, for the good of our families, for the good of this community, and for the good of our country, stop criticizing and complaining and run to our Father in prayer. Do we not think that our God will ignore our prayers? Do we think that He'll just say, I don't care about you, I don't care about your country, just sit there in front of the TV and be mad? Do you think that's how God really wants us to live? I dare say never. Because Jesus never gave us that pattern. The pattern of Jesus was to slip away and pray for hard-hearted, rebellious people. Why? So that he would find a touch of assurance. He would find in his prayer life some mental poise. He would find some assessment, some evaluation, some strength, some illumination, and some guidance. Do you need those things? Are those things you still need in life? I I need them. And and I'm going to tell you what. You know what? The president needs them. And our governor needs them. Our mayors need those things. Your boss at work, he needs those things. Your mom, your grandmom, your kids, your eight-year-old, they need those things. And it's strange. I really can't comprehend the math, but God has given the ability for you to give it to them. Is that not crazy? I mean, do we not see throughout the Scripture this pattern where God says, pray, and I'll respond to your prayers? It may not be in our time. You may be praying for something right now that won't happen until after you're dead. My friend Jimmy said, I just want to spend the last 25 years of my life in some random village in China sharing the gospel. And if the day after I die, if I've never seen a single convert, if the day after I die, the whole village comes to Jesus. Fantastic. We have the ability to infuse our culture with things like assurance and strength and illumination and guidance. Why would we not do that? Dear Christian, let's pray. Let us pray. I was reading something about a older mom, who I believe is now a grandmom, writing about her mother. And this is what she said. Mother's faithfulness to her parents was shown by her persistent prayer for granddaddy. Often he was not an easy man to be with. Who's that person in your family? (laughs) We all have it, right? We all have that one person. It might be a a grandfather or grandmother. It might be a father or mother. It might be an aunt, an uncle. It might be a child. Hey, it might be you, all right? (laughs) We all have that person, right? The person that's just ah, not always easy to be with. And this is what she said. Mother kept praying for God to save him. And 
one of my sisters describe what happened a couple of weeks before his death as a Holy Spirit moment. Lots of years, lots of prayers, answered in the nick of time, so to speak. And then this is the last thing she said. I want to keep learning to pray like mother. You know why her mom prayed? Because her mom was following Jesus. And Jesus often slipped away to pray. So, for the good of your soul, okay? Just be selfish for a second, okay? For the good of your soul. Because if your soul's good, guess what? The rest of us get to live with you and we learn how to love you, okay? For the good of your soul, for the good of your family, for the good of this community, for the good of our country, and for the glory of God, will you, every day, all day, in some way, slip away and pray?